The baseball legend Yogi Berra was quoted as saying to his team at one point, everything will be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. Our passage today is about the end. We are in a series in Lent on questioning Jesus, questions that were asked of Jesus as he made his way toward Jerusalem, knowing what was facing him there. And the question this morning is the question, when? Perfect question for us as we are completely caught up with wondering when. When is this all going to be over? When is the end going to come? When will things get back to normal? That's what we'd like to know, right? I'm going to pray for us as we prepare to be in our passage, which is Luke 17, verses 20 through 37, and I'm going to break it up and uh, have some commentary in between uh, three different parts of this passage. But to prepare, let's pray. Oh Lord, we have so many questions and so many concerns, and we are so grateful that you are with us right now to speak your words of life to us. And that is our prayer, that in the scripture and in my words and in our thinking and reflecting, by the power of your Holy Spirit, we may hear you speak. For we pray this in Christ's name, amen. First few verses, Luke 17, verses 20 and 21. Once Jesus was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God was coming. And he answered, the kingdom of God is not coming with things that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is. For in fact, the kingdom of God is among you. When is the kingdom of God coming? For the Jews, when they thought about the end... They thought about the kingdom of God coming, and they had something in their imagination. And what was in their imagination was returning to those days when things were going well, when the kingdom of Israel actually was not being oppressed, and they were free, and they experienced peace, and they had good kings and leaders, and they were looking forward to that day when the Messiah would come, and there would be peace and liberation and prosperity. Now, Jesus' answer... His answer is, the kingdom of God is among you. When Jesus is thinking of the kingdom of God, he has something different in mind, something bigger, I believe. And when you look at the whole biblical story, you see that what he says in his answer, the kingdom of God is among you, is really the way of God in the whole story from beginning to end. From the very beginning in Genesis 3, we hear how God is in the Garden of Eden. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. That is the picture of who God is with us, walking with us. That's the very first book of the Bible. You get to the very end of the Bible and you hear how there will be a new heaven and a new earth and that the home of God is among mortals. God will dwell with them. They will be God's people. God himself will be with them and there will be no more death, no more tears, no more mourning. So Jesus has this bigger picture of what the kingdom of God is about, the way of God. And also when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, which he does a lot 
In fact, the very words, first words out of his mouth when he begins his ministry has to do with the kingdom of God. When he says the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. And all the way through his ministry, everything that's happening, the healings, the casting out of demons, bringing good news to the poor, it's all signs of the nearness of God's kingdom in him. So when the Pharisees, who were the smartest people of all, ask him this question, they're standing right in front of Jesus, asking this question, when is the kingdom of God coming? To me, it's kind of like, for those of us who are ordering groceries, home delivered, and you're never quite sure when they're gonna come, and I ordered them on a Thursday, and they're gonna come on Tuesday, they're gonna take a very long time, and so you're wondering, when are my groceries going to come? And it's almost like the guy rings your doorbell, is standing there holding the groceries, and you look at the guy and you say, when are my groceries going to come? And the guy looks at you saying, what is wrong with this person? It is amazing to me that Jesus doesn't just turn, turn away, walk off with his hands in the air saying, I give up. But he doesn't. He moves closer, and he sits the disciples down, and he teaches them. Next section of this passage, verses 22 to 25. Then he said to the disciples, the days are coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. They will say to you, look there or look here. Do not go, do not set off in pursuit. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. But first, he must endure much suffering and be rejected by this generation. Son of Man. This is a title that is used uh, for Jesus 81 times in the New Testament. And Jesus here prefers to use it for himself. Now this is significant because when the Jews thought about the end, everything will be okay in the end, and if it's not okay, it's not the end, that promise was all summed up in this really key passage in Daniel chapter 7 that talks about that there would be one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven, to him was given dominion and glory and kingship. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. So once again, Jesus is saying with this title, Son of Man, that the beginning and the end has come near in him. In him. The real issue that he gets to, and he's going to get to in more depth here, is rejection. The rejecting of the Son of Man and the nearness of God's kingdom. First, he says, the Son of Man must endure much suffering and be rejected by this generation. If you go back to the trivial groceries metaphor, the guy standing there with the groceries, when will my groceries come? And the guy says, these are your groceries. This is what you asked for. This is what you were signing up for. And the person says, nope. That's not the way groceries, my groceries are supposed to come. Jesus leans in to this rejection and he goes back 
this generation he's talking about, but then he goes back and he reminds them of previous generations, the earliest generations, the very first generation at the time of Noah, another generation at the time that Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. Listen to this. Verses 20 through 37. The tragic outcomes of each generation of rejection starting at the very beginning. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so too it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying, being given in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed all of them. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day that Lot left Sodom, it rained fire and sulfur from heaven and destroyed all of them. It will be like that on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, anyone on the housetop who has belongings in the house must not come down to take them away. And likewise, anyone in the field must not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Those who try to make their life secure will lose it, but those who lose their life will keep it. I tell you, on that night, there will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding meal together. One will be taken and the other left. Then they asked him, where, Lord? He said to them, where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. When? Where? And it becomes obvious in this telling what Jesus reminds them of that those questions won't be answered until after the fact. Looking back, this is held in the mystery of God. The real issue is will we see it when the kingdom of God is in our midst? The kingdom of God is among you. That's what Jesus wants them to know. And even later in Luke, Luke chapter 12, when he addresses the whole topic of worry and our anxiety, reassuring them, fear not, little flock. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, to give you God's presence. This past week, and coming back to work, been in contact with so many people and asking several reoccurring questions. The first is, what does it look like for you to shelter in place? Another question is, what is hard about that for you? And then the third and really important question is, how is God meeting you in this? I want to share some of the many stories that have come back to me in this week. Stories of grace, not dramatic stories, but one mom, mom of a 16-year-old, who said, I've noticed that during these times, these days of sheltering in place, that I'm just being less strict with my 16-year-old daughter. I'm usually pretty hard on her. And now I'm thinking, you get a D in algebra, who cares? Grace. Grace for the mom. Grace for the 16-year-old. Another friend of mine who lives very close to her daughter, her daughter and husband who have two young children, a seven-month-old and a four-year-old, and she's able to help with the four-year-old. And she's watching her daughter, the mom, be so hard on herself, lamenting that she's letting her four-year-old watch videos all the time, which she swore that she would never do. So my friend, who is her mom, is saying to her, you know, they're good videos. 
It's okay to get a B in parenting right now. You don't have to be perfect. The kingdom of God among you, grace. Stories of compassion. People who are making masks, there's not enough masks, and so you've got a Carrie Satterwhite and a Margie Pullen and a Sherry Garut and probably many others in this congregation and beyond who are cranking out masks. The kingdom of God is among you. People who are aware, as they have to say to their house cleaners and other support services, I can't have you come into my house, that these are people who live hand to mouth, who are hourly workers, and so they're continuing to pay them. Being mindful of those without homes, without a safety net, without health care, the kingdom of God is among you. My friend Heidi Husted Armstrong, who was once pastor at this church too, she and I stay in touch, and I suggested to her that maybe we check in with each other once a week. I said, I'd like to just hear what is, what is helping you, what is ministering to you during this time. So when we talked last Sunday, I was sharing with her what has helped me, or it did the week before, which was that article uh, by the, the Catholic nun, that cloistered nun, Sister Mary Catherine Perry, who talked about what she's learned 29 years of being a cloistered nun, how to shelter in place and the structure and the intentional community and the reflection, and that just helped me enormously. And Heidi said to me, you know, it's not what I've been reading that has really helped me. Somebody sent this song, and this song has ministered to me so much. I posted it on my Facebook page, she said. She goes, I could listen to this song for the rest of my life. So I listened to it, and I loved it too. But then that night when I couldn't get to sleep, uh, I don't know if this has been true for you, but there's nights now where every hour it's like, really, I'm still not asleep, looking at the clock. So the next night I got that song and I put it by my nightstand or put, put it there on my phone and just played it. And I want to play it now for you. Because I think it's Jesus' answer when we ask when. I think his answer is, the kingdom of God is among you. I am sending you light. That's the name of the song. Sung by Melanie Damore, who's a choir director over in Oakland and performed this at Freight and Salvage. So I want to embed this uh, right now in our worship service. It's about five minutes long. It's slow. It's contemplative. And you may just want to tuck it away for future reference but just to hear Jesus answering the question the way Jesus wants to answer the question, I am sending you light. I'm sending you light 
To heal you, to hold you, I am sending you light to hold you in love. I am sending you light to heal you, to hold you, I am sending you light. To hold you in love No matter where you go No matter where you've been You'll never walk alone I feel you deep within So I am sending you love to heal you, to hold you. I am sending you light to hold you in love. I am sending you light to heal you, hold you. I am sending you light to hold you in love. No matter what you feel or what you choose to show, I'm always there for you. And so I want you to know that I am sending you light to heal you, to hold you. I am sending you light to hold you in love. I am sending you light to heal you, to hold you. I am sending you light to hold you in love. I walk the path with you Go slow, dear one Don't hurry I'll go just like you need to go There is no need to worry Cause I am sending you light To heal you to hold you, I'm sending you light To hold you in love, I'm sending you light To heal you, to hold you, I'm sending you light To hold you in love, I'm sending you light To heal you to hold you I am sending you light to hold you
I think that question of when is going to get more and more urgent, more and more strident, and it already is. So urgent that we are trying to guess, trying to say when it will be, which has always been true for God's people. Is this the time? When will the time be? But can we hear God's answer in Jesus Christ? I am sending you light. That's his answer. And when we're desperate for, for some form of security, wanting to go back to the way it was, the eating and the drinking and the buying and the selling, marrying and giving in marriage, remember Lot's wife, wanting to go back for the possessions, wanting to go back off the rooftop, go down. Can we hear Jesus' answer, I am sending you light? When we're overwhelmed with our own anxieties and insecurities, I feel like a failure as a parent, a failure in my marriage, a failure at technology, a failure in compassion and generosity. Just to hear Jesus saying, I am sending you light. Everything will be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. The good news is that it's not just Yogi Berra that is giving that reassurance, but the Son of Man who has walked the wilderness road into death, into resurrection life, and who's saying to each one of us right now, wherever we are, in the words of Julian of Norwich, all shall be well, and all shall be well, and every manner of thing shall be well. Amen.